Welcome back, listeners, for another episode of the Georgia Music Teachers Association podcast. My name is Bebe Lin, Vice President of Membership with GMTA. We're back for another great conversation with a Georgia music teacher today that I think you'll all enjoy. Before we get to that conversation, I just want to encourage you to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues who might be interested. And if you can take a moment to leave a review, I would really appreciate it. And now, without further delay, let's get to today's conversation. We are joined by Lisa Handman. Hello, Lisa. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's start out with a background question, which is, tell me about what you do and how you got to where you are today. I am a professional harpist and I teach harp and piano privately. I've been teaching in Georgia since 1996 and I've been doing this full time then. Um, I taught for a number of years in New Jersey before I moved to Georgia. It's been quite a journey starting from age five. I started piano at five, flute at seven, and then harp at 13. Once I started harp, I knew that this was my passion and dream and something I wanted to pursue. So I have a bachelor's degree in music education with concentration in harp and minor in piano. And I had this vision of my life at you know, 21 when I graduated college that I was just going to jump into a music teacher's position and take off from there. Didn't quite happen that way. So I found that you always have to have alternatives in life, but continue to pursue. I continue to pursue my dream. So I got a master's in an unrelated subject and worked in the corporate world for a number of years, but always maintained music on the side. And then I was very fortunate to be able to leave the corporate world in 96 and jump into music full time and have never looked back. Wow, that's interesting. So did you always aspire to be a private studio teacher or were you thinking of a classroom teaching situation? What was that career plan like? I think prior to entering college and even in beginning college, I, I thought I wanted, I pursued music ed because I really was very frightened of performing, didn't want to be a performer. By the time I graduated, I loved performing. So I wanted to combine both aspects, the teaching and the performing, which is what I currently do. Okay. And, and you talked about how at age 13, you started harp and that was um, how you discovered that was your instrument in spite of having played piano and flute before. What is different about harp that really draws you in? Well, first of all, and particularly at that time, not many people played the harp. It was very unique. Yeah, at that time you had to own an instrument. Now you can rent them. It's a little different today, but I love the sound of it. I, I, I love the whole look of it. The music I just embraced. I got to wear beautiful gowns. <laughs> And I studied in high school, I studied at Manhattan School of Music prep division. So I got to incorporate, you know, different classes, music theory, ear training, you know, with harp and piano, private lessons, and actually sometimes flute also. 
So let's continue on this trajectory of your studies and um, your childhood. Do you remember what piece from your musical studies as a child got you hooked on music? This is a very strange answer. I remember asking my teacher in high school if I could play popular music. You know, because I mean, I, do, I love classical, but I wanted that one popular song. And she gave me Ebb Tide. And I love, I mean, you would laugh nowadays <laughs> thinking that that was the popular song. But I absolutely loved Ebb Tide. There was an arrangement by a wonderful harpist by the name of Robert Maxwell, who was, you know, arranged several pieces. And that was it for me. I, I knew I could play Ebb Tide. And then she gave me Love is Blue. That was it. I was on my path. <laughs> what was practicing like for you as a child? Did your parents have to force you to do it or were you self-motivated? I was self-motivated. Um, I've even asked my mother to this day if she had to ask me to practice because I don't recall that. And she said, no, she never had to ask me to practice. I just did it. Do you remember what your mindset was like as a child as you approached practicing? Because so many children nowadays see practicing as a chore or something that they have to cross off of their to-do list. What was it that drew you to practice seeing these instruments? I just love the music. I wanted to be the best at that instrument, the best that I, my personal self could do. And I wanted to show my teacher that I was advancing. And now let's turn our attention to teaching. How do you approach teaching? What is your teaching philosophy? So I teach adults and children. It's a little different for adults than children. Children, I try to involve the parent and the child, kind of a three-way communication that I do expect certain things in terms of their practicing. One of the things that's very important with harp is your position. And that takes quite a while to develop because it's a very unnatural position. So sometimes this is an instance where I really have to involve the parents sometimes because sometimes I have, they have to put a chair under their arm, for example, to hold, to hold their arms up because it's, it's this position. Some of my students are self-motivating. Don't ever have to involve the parent, but I expect them to do the best of their abilities. I also teach special needs children. For instance, I have a high school harp student who is dyslexic and ADHD. So I had to develop a different technique for her. I find that repetition is key for her. Um, I teach a blind student, adult student. I have to teach her totally different than anybody else. Um, for my adult students, I like them to take the lead because a lot of them have other, have jobs, have kids, they're balancing a lot of things. I may not expect the same thing from them. They may, may want to play different music for the kids. I expect a certain repertoire. We use kind of certain standards. Adults sometimes will bring in their own music. Sometimes we can do it. Sometimes it's way above their level and I kind of have to bring them down. Um, so pardon my ignorance on this, but how young can children be in order to start studying the harp? Well, I do recommend at least a year of piano before they study because the music reads the same. And it makes it a lot easier because with harp, unlike piano, you can't feel all the strings. You have some points of reference, like a, a couple different colored strings. 
I find that students advance a lot more if they have that piano background. I, I've started them as young as four and a half. Personally, I do think that's a little too young. First of all, physically, you know, they have to be able to sit behind the harp and, and sit at the right position. So I would say seven hmm. is a good starting age and up. So this is going to come across as a very basic question. You know how like for violins, they have different sizes. Are there different sizes of harps? Yes, yes, exactly. Typically you start out on what's called a lever harp. The levers give you sharps and flats. It's, it's smaller, it's a lot less expensive. You can rent them or do lease purchases, pedal harps are very large and very expensive. There are different size lever harps. This is a lever harp that I teach on, which is a good size lever harp. I teach an eight-year-old on this. Seven could be, I might need to go to a little bit smaller harp for this. It's 34 strings. So I see red strings and black strings. I have no idea what those colors mean. Yeah, the red strings are C's, the blacks are F's, and then the ones in between, you know, you, you figure out it's, it's a good point of reference. I see. Hmm, interesting. Now, do children typically develop uh, any callus on their fingers as they practice the harp? Yes, it takes a while and it's a very individual thing to develop calluses. Um, in the beginning, you may develop blisters. I recommend to my students that they practice in 15 minute increments, you know, a couple times a day to build up their fingers. As a child, I had trouble developing calluses initially. Um, so it took a while. I remember my mother taking me to a dermatologist, and, you know, what's wrong with her. But <laughs> keeping the fingers moist, like with a good moisturizer that doesn't interfere with the harp um, is also very helpful. Hmm. Okay. What advice do you have for parents who have children taking lessons? How can they encourage and help them to succeed? What role do parents play in a child's musical development? I like them to sometimes listen to them and maybe give them a little bit of a critique. I don't like them to be overbearing, critique every single thing. But I like them to know what their child is doing. If they have theory homework, know that they're expected to do it. Um, some of the younger ones, they may need to check and make sure they do it because I do incorporate theory at that level, you know, the child's level. And in terms of technique, they can visually look at their child to see if they're doing the right hand position maybe aid them or give them a few reminders hey thumbs up that's a big that's a big slogan with with harp thumbs up elbows up in terms of the sound technique some of them need to learn to pull harder you're pulling against over 100 pounds of pressure on each string so you have to pull harder than you think and to get that wonderful sound quality they mean a little bit of encouragement Hmm. Hmm. You talked about earlier that uh, you teach both piano students and harp students. What percentage of your studio is piano versus harp? I'd say currently probably one third piano, two thirds harp. You know, hmm. it's shifted over the years. And um, during the pandemic, actually, I got a lot more harp students. Hmm. Do you find that there is a growing interest or a consistent interest in harp? 
I take rowing. There is a local harp store in Alpharetta, so it makes harps more accessible, number one. Number two, like I said, during the pandemic, I got, well, some children, but a lot more adults who always wanted to play the harp, and now we're home, maybe by choice, maybe not by choice, working from home, so they had the time and the income mm. um, to be able to take harp lessons. I imagine for a lot of people who are interested in harp lessons, finding a teacher can be a barrier. If you live in a large city, it's probably much easier. But if you live in a mid-sized or smaller town, that's nearly impossible. Do you teach online at all? I do. I teach uh, up to half my lessons online. Versus I had one student move to New York during the pandemic. I still teach her. But prior to the pandemic, I did have a few students around the country. Hmm. Okay, great. Thank you for sharing that. Tell me about your time in GMTA and MTNA. How did you hear about the organization and what has being part of this organization meant to you? So in 96, when I quit the corporate world and went into music full time, just like that, I had a friend who was a harpist who lived right near me who knew this pianist who was starting a local chapter in the Alpharetta Roswell area. She told me about the meetings. I became a charter member and I've been a member ever since. And it was so nice, particularly because I was so isolated from the music world for so many years, just kind of doing my own thing on the side, that for me to be able to join a group and collaborate with ideas and teaching philosophies and all kinds of wonderful programs. It's really been great. Great. What aspects of your life and career as a musician has surprised you? How does it measure up to the life you envisioned for yourself as a young musician? Well, I thought I would be this music teacher in, in a school system teaching for my 30 years, you know. And it didn't happen when I graduated undergrad. It, it was there was an influx of music teachers yeah. at that time. So right away I transitioned. It was absolutely not what I expected for my life at all. And particularly spending so many years doing that other job, not really enjoying it. But when I went back into music, I just I love getting up every morning. It was just such a, a total shift and now i think my life is exactly where i expect it would be at this point in my life just balancing teaching and performing yeah i imagine that and you can correct me if i'm wrong but leaving a corporate job perhaps a full-time job to do this music thing must have been a really difficult decision and a scary decision. Did you, how did you plan for it? Did you have to save up financially for it? Did you have to um, make some plans in terms of making sure that you had X number of students before you quit your job? So at the time that I quit, there were rumors about a new, you know, in the corporate world, there are always these buyouts and to be able to leave the company. And I had heard about the latest buyout. And then in my mind, I decided, okay, I have enough money now to take the risk. I was single at the time and I had saved. So I was able to take the risk 
prior to that, whenever I started thinking about quitting, I would get so nervous about the financial aspect of it that I would kind of back out. But I had a nice cushion. I had a very generous buyout plan. And even part of that, believe it or not, was they gave me $10,000 towards a harp, a new harp. I mean, I had a harp, but another harp. That was just, you know, a nice little perk on top of the, the sum that I got. So, and I didn't, I was starting to perform quite a bit and I was playing in a restaurant a couple nights a week. But at the time that I quit, I don't think I had any students at that point. But I got some very quickly, and I actually started out by handing out flyers and mailboxes back then. Um, it's, it's a lot different now. Um, I got referrals from other harpists and to get harp students, and it just kind of built up from there. How long did it take for you to build up so that you had a sense of financial security and stability? I'd say two to three years. It, it went very quick. I mean, quicker than I envisioned. Yeah, probably in the moment it felt like forever, but actually in hindsight, two and three years is really not bad. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you had a chance to redo your life and career choices, what would you change or not change about them? I think I would have stayed on the trajectory of going into music and not shifting to the corporate world. Mm -hmm. I would have followed my dream and I think built up from there, you know, at, at 21 or 22 versus going back to it 17 years later. Yeah. This is our very last question. What advice do you have for young musical professionals and teachers as they embark on their careers and enter professional life? First of all, I'd say follow your dream. Do what you want. If you're passionate about the harp, play the harp, do it professionally. Develop relationships between other harpists, other music teachers, other professional musicians. That collaborative effort will help with your musical skills, with your marketing. In my case, in the, in the professional harpist world, I mean, it involves schmoozing with catering directors, for instance, other people in the event business. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I've gotten students that way even. Great, thank you for that. Well, Lisa, this has been a really fun conversation. I learned more about the harp than I ever have. So thank you for taking the time to talk with me and sharing your advice and insights with our listeners. Well, thank you for having me. I wish you happy teaching and happy students. Thank you.